All right, good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here, and uh, we are going to start in Hebrews today. So grab your Bible. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews, um, which if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you or your own seat, and you're welcome to grab that. And you can keep that if you want, and it's page 1,102. So to make your life really easy, 1,102. Uh, quick question. Any of you feel like life is a battle right now? Or, or maybe like a boxing match? You know, where I, I'm, I've never boxed, but I've seen Rocky. Um, but you know, like there's swings coming at you and sometimes there's like a combo punch, right? Like cancer diagnosis, ooh, and then job problems, right? Or my kid's being well, a kid, and so there's that, and then strep throat, just, you know, life, or financial issues, relational, down the list. Or maybe, maybe it's more like a hurdle race. You know, I love how scripture uses these uh, sports analogies, actually it uses boxing, and it, it talks about racing, and I think a hurdle race is good, because they're not all bad things, right, in our life. Sometimes they're decisions we have to make. Uh, sometimes, you know, maybe you're a senior, you're going to go to college. Where am I going to go to school? Or decisions about a, a mate. Who should I date? Who should I marry? I mean, down this list. And those are hurdles, you know, not maybe like a punch coming, but they keep coming, right? And if, if you've lived very long, you realize you might have some periods where you're kind of like just walking on the track, like thing is, everything's great, right? There's nothing happening right now, but pretty soon there's going to be another hurdle or another punch coming your way. That's just part of life. That's how it goes. That's why we're going to be looking at Hebrews, because the great theme in Hebrews, and pay attention, this gives the whole series away, is endurance. The book of Hebrews is written to a group of believers, Christians, who were part of the Jewish community and were tempted to fall away, right? They were tempted to uh, stop obeying. They were tempted to stop gathering together. They were tempted to stop believing. And so this whole book is about endurance, Make it to the end. Again, these were Jewish people. They're probably second generation Christians, meaning they didn't know Jesus personally, right? They didn't see Jesus, but they, they knew those who, who saw Jesus. They passed the message on. And so they're being, you know, they're, they're in life and they want to go back, many of them it looks like, to Judaism. That was easier, right? The culture is this way. Everybody around us believes this way. They act this way. And when I act this way, you know, I'm different. Um, and it's just harder. So I'm tempted to go back. Anybody ever deal with that, right? Maybe you became a Christian um, and you look back. It was easier before, right? It was easier when I didn't have to worry about sin and I could just do whatever I wanted, right? It was easier to, to not take an hour on Sunday mornings or, or down the list and you're tempted to, to go back or Christianity is exclusive. It, it claims that Jesus is the only way. Well, that's not, I'm not comfortable telling other people that they're wrong. And so we're, again, we're tempted to go back to the comfortable world of everybody believe what you want, right? There's no sin. There's, it's just kind of easier. Well, this book is going to be great because it is deep, but it's also practical. If you're a geek, this is going to be great for you. Really? No, if you're one of those like, oh, I want to go deep into scripture, this is the book for you. If you're one of those that goes, I really want to know how my life can be better. This book is great for you. I mean, that's what's gonna, we're gonna get deep in this, but here's again another theme we're gonna see through the whole thing, which was on this video before. Jesus is more, Jesus is better, Jesus is greater. We're gonna see that over and over, week after week, as we go through the book of Hebrews. Whatever it is, Jesus is more. Whatever other options there are, Jesus is better, Jesus is greater. So, turn to Hebrews chapter one. We're going to cover the whole first chapter and see what God has to say. Let me pray. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Um, we thank you for your grace and your patience with us. Uh, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would stir our hearts uh, to know what is true, to love you, to love others, and, and to walk in your way. God, you want great things for us. We trust you with that. We love you. In your name, amen. All right, Hebrews 1, first few verses. This is long ago. At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Here's our first big point. We have a God who speaks. We have a God who speaks. This is a big deal, right? Maybe you've dealt with this in your life. I just want God to speak to me. I want to hear. We have a God who speaks. And he's been speaking since the beginning of creation. He wants to communicate who he is, his plan, some things about you, some things about... He is a God who communicates. And he begins here, it says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke. So we have a God who speaks. But how did he speak before? It says he spoke through prophets. And we read the Old Testament and we see there were many prophets, right? There was Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, Mal there was quite a few, and that was God's method, right? He would take a human, give them a message and say, go tell my people, right? That's what he did. But now something has changed. It says in these last days, God has spoken through his son, meaning a change has happened. No longer is God speaking to people to carry this message, but through his son. Last days, here's just a little theology for you. Anytime the New Testament refers to last days, it's between when Jesus left the first time and when he comes back. So I, I know we all love to, are we in the last days? Oh, look at the signs of the times. Scripture is really clear. The whole time is the last days. And there's always signs of the times. <laughs> Every single generation that's studied the book of Revelation, all that stuff, it's like, we're in the last times. Look, there's the Antichrist. You know, um, the COVID is the mark of the beast. Maybe you heard that one. Every generation has it. So we are in the last days, right? And in these last days, he has spoken through the Son. Now let's look at the rest of this chapter. Uh, verse 5. It says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son? Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes the angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, O Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to, in to inherit salvation? Holy mackerel. <laughs> 
if you're anything like me, maybe you've read these before and just kind of skipped over. Like, what is this talk about all these angels and all this stuff? There's really one big point in all those verses. And it begins with the angels, their message was reliable. So a lot of these prophets, the way God spoke to the prophet, he would send an angel to meet with the prophet. Uh, specifically, this is most likely referring to Moses. When Moses went up onto the mountain and received the law, he did, God did speak with him directly, but much of the law was given through angels. And the point is, their message was reliable. The angels are ministering spirits sent from God for the sake of his people. And so they were trustworthy. But this whole section is Jesus is better than the angels. That's this whole thing. Uh, most of that, your book, your Bible probably looks kind of weird the way it's all set up because most of those are Old Testament quotes. Almost all of that section is from the Old Testament because the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish people who accepted the Old Testament as scripture. And he said, I'm going to use your scripture because it's also our scripture, by the way, to point to Jesus is better. What, you know, why all these angels? So a little history, um, the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, and then the book of Matthew, there's about 400 years between those two books. Um, and we call those the silent period. I mean, God wasn't fully silent, but scripture wasn't written dur during that time. Um, the Jewish faith uh, changed a little bit during that time. Some in, in very good ways, actually. Uh, the Pharisees get a bad rap in scripture. The, the priests get a bad rap. Um, but yet the first church was built of a lot of Pharisees and a lot of priests that were converted. So. There was good things that happened in the Jewish religion, but one of the things that happened in those 400 years was an over-emphasis um, on angels, right? That, you know, looking for angels, and maybe we've had that in our generations, you know, of, of angels. I'm looking for, um, you know, my guardian angel, and did I meet him? So they had some of that. So his point is, yes, angels are, are great. They're reliable. They exist. Jesus is better, right? So why are we going to focus on this? Jesus is better. And his point is Jesus' message is better. Their message was true and reliable. Jesus' message is better. The old covenant was good, given by God through angels to Moses. It was good and had a purpose. Jesus' new covenant is better. That's going to be, we see this all throughout, right? Um, but let's, uh, let's start at the beginning here, okay? So we're going to look at his message. But right, first, we wanted to look at the messenger, Right? Jesus. Why is Jesus better? Um, look at what he says about Jesus in all of this. Um, start at the beginning. Uh, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Where does the gospel start? Does the gospel start in the book of Matthew at Jesus' birth? The writer of Hebrews begins the gospel in Genesis 1, at creation. Our whole Bible is reliable. We need the whole thing. We can't understand the gospel and the New Testament without a good handle on the Old Testament. So the writer of Hebrews begins in Genesis, where it says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now he's saying, in the beginning, that one who created was the Son, Jesus. John 1.1 starts the same way, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God pointing to Jesus as the creator. And there's so many other things in here that he refers to, again, in the Old Testament, speaking about the Son. But here's what we need to grasp from all that first. Jesus is our eternal creator, God. He is our eternal creator, God. What's it say in verse three? 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The radiance. It's like the sun, right? Have you ever tried to stare at the sun? Bad idea, right? But you can, you can look to the side. You can see the radiance of the sun. It enlightens everything. Well, the light coming from the sun is the sun. That's the picture here. Jesus is what we can see of the Father, right? The, what, we can't look at the sun. We can't look at the Father, but we can look at Jesus, who is the exact imprint. He's not kind of like the Father. He's exactly like the Father. We're seeing the Trinity here, and good luck understanding the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three are God, yet they're also distinct. <laughs> so, so, you know, one nature, three persons, however you want to phrase it, we see here the Trinity, but Jesus is our eternal God. He did not begin to exist when he was born in Matthew. That's very important, right? Jesus is not just another prophet from the Old Testament. Jesus is God in flesh, the Son bringing a new message. So, um, studies, you know, for, through the evangel evangelical church go out of, of what is believed, right? What do people believe? What do Americans believe? One of those questions that's put out there often is, who is Jesus, right? Is Jesus a good teacher or actually God in flesh? One in three evangelicals, meaning those who claim to believe what, what we would say believe, believe that Jesus was just a good teacher. One in three. So look to the person to your right. Okay. Look to the person to your left. One of you is a heretic. That, that's that stat. Now, here's the good news. We actually, many of you this past year actually did a, a survey online. You guys scored way better than that. We scored way better than that. But that's a big deal. Jesus can't be just a good teacher. He claimed to be God, right? So, I mean, C.S. Lewis's argument, he's either Lord or he's a liar or he's a lunatic. Right? He can't be just a good teacher. So here we see he is God. He is our creator, God. And there's many other things we see about him here. Not, is, he's not just the creator God. He created, uh, he also is the sustainer. Right? It says here that he, this is verse 3, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Do, do you get that? Jesus is currently sustaining all of creation. Now, as I was studying this, I got into some scientific stuff, which I don't understand at all. And so I'm not even going to try, because you smarter than me people are being like, you're missing it. But there's something about atoms and things that they're held together, and we don't know how, and Jesus is doing it. And later, he's going to go, I'm done, and it's done. So um, there's, there's my deep science. The point is, Jesus is upholding everything right now. How does gravity work? Jesus. I mean, yes, God created the, the physical laws, but Jesus, and later, Jesus is going to complete it. It says that he's going to wrap it up. There, uh, verse 11, speaking of this cre creation, they're going to perish, but you will remain, right? They will wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. So Jesus is going to complete the end of creation. So here's, here's a lot in your notes. Jesus is creator, sustainer, God's radiance, Receiver of angels' worship. He is God. God calls him God in the Old Testament. He is king. He is eternal. He is the finisher of all creation. Now, I told you this stuff is deep. And if you want to, I mean, deep, just wrestle with that for the next week. This is deep, you know, chewable truth about our God. The power to create is also the power to preserve, the power to control and the power to bring to an end. This book is deep about Jesus. Jesus is unlike any other religious leader out there. 
Look at Islam, go down the list of all of them. None of them have a, a, a God like our God, and none of them have a leader like, like our Jesus, who is God in flesh and is all these things. I hope, if nothing else today, you just get a bigger view of Jesus. That's the, right? I talk about this boxing match. How do you go through life? Jesus. How do we endure all the things we have to endure? We have a big view of Jesus and we keep looking to him. That's how we do it. So, this is who Jesus is. This is why he's better. Now, what's the message? The rest of the, our, the message today, we're going to focus on what Jesus' message is. Because the writer is saying, listen to Jesus. He's better. Don't go back to Judaism. Don't go back to the old covenant. Jesus is better. What's the message? Look back at verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What's the message? Jesus came to purify our souls from sin. Now, that's fit right in there. It looks small, but that's significance. Mankind, all of us, from the beginning of the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned, sin has been our problem. Sin is what separates us from God. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, angels given to Moses, right, uh, laid out a sacrificial system to atone for sin. Sin has always been the issue. Here's how you do it, right? You, you take an innocent lamb or, or, or goat, uh, it has to be perfect, and you sacrifice it. It atones for your, it's a substitution. So again, here's a deep theology. You need to understand this. Substitutionary atonement, right? Well, those are big words. Substitutionary atonement, right? To atone for our sins, there is a substitution, under the old covenant, they provided for that in an animal. Under the new covenant, God provides it with his son. Jesus is our substitution, which atones for our sin. That's what the word purification means. So when we place our faith in Jesus as Lord, we receive purification, right? God looks at us and sees Jesus' righteousness because Jesus took our sin on himself. And then what happened after Jesus did that? He went back to heaven. He spent 40 days walking the earth, you know, showing himself and teaching about the kingdom, and then he ascended to heaven, right? If I came to your house and I did one thing and then left, you would probably assume my main reason for coming was to do that one thing, right? I come and change a light bulb or fix a chair or whatever, and then I just leave. But Jesus, right? His, his whole ministry, he's, he's doing, going through life, going through everything, and, and over and over he says one line, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. It's not my time. And then finally, it was his time. He went to the cross, rose from the dead, and then 40 days ascends. He came to do one main thing, make purification for your sins and mine. Listen, your creator God came to earth to rescue you. Your creator God came to earth to rescue you. That's deep, right? It's not about law. It's not about rules. And we're gonna get into that. Our lives change, absolutely. But your creator God came to earth to rescue you. That's the message. That's the message. And the messenger is God in flesh, Jesus. Who, I mean, look at this. Why does he go through all this? So that you'll pay attention to the message, right? It's not just a person given this message. It came through Jesus. This is the message, that your creator God came to earth to rescue you. Now we're gonna talk about this rescue idea. Maybe the word we use a lot is salvation. Great word, we should know this word. The thing about salvation and this rescue in scripture is, is the word salvation really encompasses three parts of salvation. Again, I told you some of this is gonna be a deep dive, so bear with me, right? 
there's, I, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. Here's the theological terms. Justification, <laughs> sanctification, glorification. Right, so, so here's this idea of, of rescue. There's three aspects of the rescue that we need to understand, and here's why. And here's where we're gonna tie it to our last series on God's promises. When we understand salvation, the message given clearly in scripture through Jesus the Son, we can endure this life a little bit better because we understand the promises. Most of the frustration I see in believers, and a lot of when people fall away, it's because they don't understand the promises. They think there are certain promises God has made, or, or God has abandoned me, or, or this is happening, whatever, it's God's fault, because they don't understand the promises, which come when we understand this rescue that is past, present, and future. And so we need to understand that. So, we're gonna get high tech here. Uh-huh, like Vanna White, do you remember that? Um, so, last time I did this, I had a lot of complaints afterward, we couldn't see it. So, Tyler is awesome and figured out how to put it on screen, so now everybody can see. Um, I, I'm a visual learner, I like to take not lots of notes, so I would, if you're the same, I encourage you, like on your, just write this down, you know, mess with it. That's the way I do it. Um, if you learn differently, that's okay. Um, but let's look at this. Here's the first part, right? Hebrews 1, 3, we just saw. Jesus made purification for sins, which means forgiveness, right? Leads to eternal life. So here's, here's this first section. We're going to call this justification. Hmm. That's, yeah. If you notice, I didn't write the top part. This was Kim Aleman. Thank you, Kim. Um, and this is why, but that word is justification, I promise. Okay? Justification. Past tense. I have been saved. Okay? Because Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead. I place my faith in him. I am justified. Here's, here's something extremely important through all of the New Testament. You cannot lose your salvation. Right? This is a promise. Okay. Told you we're linking to our last series. This is the promise. The promise, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. That's the promise. Jesus made purification for our sins. That leads to eternal life. That's the promise. We can stand on that. We can bank on that. We can believe that. All right? Now, that leads to the next part. And we talk about this quite a bit here. Abundant life. And maybe, maybe you have life happening, right, cancer, and, and while having treatment, somebody gets strep throat, um, go down the list. And you're like, well, well, where is God in, in this? I come to church and they keep talking about this abundant life, right? Where Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Here's something we need to understand about this. We're going to call this sanctification. That's the, the, the theological term. And this is a process, okay? So, so this abundant life part this is a process. Sanctification is a process. This is the present tense of salvation. I am being saved. So when you came to know Christ, he didn't just fix you 100% like that. It's a process where he, he convicts us of sin. We deal with it. We study God's word. We get in community. We grow. It's a process. We have a choice, though. We don't have to submit to the process. Right? It's get, parents, you've had kids, right? Your kids don't always cooperate with the process of their maturity, do they? Right? We're the same way. 
right? We have to cooperate, this abundant life idea, we have to cooperate with him. Now, we said this is a promise. Here's the other word you need to get. We're going to call this, how do you spell probable? It's an A. Yeah, th thank you. We've got a lot of educators in the room. I've got to get this right. Amy, is that right? Yeah, okay. You think so? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. This is probable. Here's what I mean by probable. This is what should happen in the regular life of a believer. Probably. You're right. We use it. Is what's going to happen? Probably. The Broncos are going to probably lose today. They're horrible. Right? <laughs> but with that, right, probably, the abundant life for us is probable. When we participate the way God lay, lays out, this is what should happen in us. Let me write it this way. And I, I don't like these words, but I think it fits. Better you now. Right? This is the better you now. Not the way we would think, right? I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, everything's going, that's not it. But the better you, I'm becoming more godly. There's less sin in my life, right? I'm more loving. I, I experience more joy and more peace. That's the abundant life, and that's why it's, it's a better you now, right? Again, this is a process where, where we have to participate in. Now, let's go to this. Possible. When we participate, right, we can bank on the promise we're saved. We are being saved, we're, we're in a process this becomes possible. This is where we live, right? We want God to rescue our marriage, right? We want God to rescue our kids. We want God to rescue our, our job, right? Our money, right? All these things. We want God to do things. We want those things to, to thrive. Our emotions. Maybe you're one of those. You, you struggle with your emotions. God, I, I, I stress. I'm anxious over these things, and I know I shouldn't be, so I'm, I'm anxious about being anxious, right? Maybe you struggle with emotions, health, society, Right? You look out, oh my goodness, why isn't God working in our culture? Everything's going to, to pot, go down the list. All, these, these things are possible. These are not promised. This is why we struggle in this life. When we think this is the, the, the promise, it's not the promise. It is possible. Because guess what? That part, there's a lot of moving parts. In fact, most of those are going to involve other people. And God has given everybody free will. And because of this idea of free will and, and sin that is still present, again, there's more words we could get into, right? That God dealt with the, uh, the penalty of sin. But here he's dealing with the, the power of sin in our lives, right? Bringing the power of sin less. But the presence is still here because we're still in these bodies. And so here he's dealing with the, the presence of sin, right? or the power, sorry, helping the power go down. And then... As we get better, guess what? These things in general are more possible, right? Uh, marriage, we have to participate. When my wife doesn't participate, it doesn't go very well. When I, when I don't participate, right? There's two people, both, right? We both need to pursue Christ, abide in him, right? And that gets better. It absolutely does. Here, abundant life, uh, we could throw another word in there, abide. That's where we're learning to abide, to lean on Jesus day in and day out. He changes us, and those things are possible, but those things are not promised. In fact, you can do it all right, and that 
maybe they don't land the way you want. We should pray they should. We should pray for God to rescue our kids, right? We should pray for God to give us the job that is fulfilling, where we can make a difference. I mean, we should pray for all those things. You struggle emotionally, pray for that. Guess what? Jesus cares about all those things and wants to rescue in all those things. And so we pursue that, we pray for that, but again, those aren't the promise. You know, this idea, Jesus rescues, right? Our creator God came to earth to rescue us. But what we need to look at is the whole thing, right? Not just one part, but to take rescue, salvation as a whole and understand the whole aspect together. So let's talk about this a little bit more right here. This is the part where we, we can use the word faith, trust. Trust that our creator God who came to rescue us knows more than us. Trust, faith, that our creator God who came to rescue us cares about us and loves us. You, you parents, your 10-year-old comes home, dad, I want a smartphone. Smart dad goes, no. <laughs> oh, you're a bad dad. No, I just know more than you, <laughs> right? And I have, I have your good in mind, right? Or my son, Brendan, he's 24 now, right? When he was younger, we made him do things. Water skiing was one of those. We're like, hey, you can't come out until you actually get up, right? We made him do stuff like that. We'd bribe or cajole, you'll get a donut down the list. Um, his truck had to be fixed. Well, I, I'm not good at that stuff, but we had a friend who is. He came over and we kind of made him help, right? No, you're going to learn how to, oh, but I'm all greasy. Yep, but you want to drive, you need to learn. Well, during those periods at times, dad, you're a bad dad, right? I know I don't want to do this. Later, he grows up, he goes to college, doesn't have a lot of money. <laughs> I got to fix my car. Well, it needs brakes. Yeah, how much does that cost? You're going to charge 600 bucks. I'm so glad you made me do stuff. He went and bought the tools and fixed his own brakes, right? Later, he looks back, oh, mom, dad, you did know good, right? You, you knew better. And when they're younger, our, our message is, trust us. We know better. We have your best interest in mind. Just trust us. Our God the Father is saying the same thing. When, when these things aren't going well, and we're whining, God, what are you doing? Where did you, you know, I'm working hard for you, and you've abandoned me. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. Again, stand on this promise and engage in the probable, right? And do the things to help you abide, to help you grow, to do those things, and then trust me with the rest. And let me add one more promise, eternity. This is part of the promise also. How can we endure? I told you the book of Hebrews is about endurance. One of the ways, one of the best ways we can endure while we struggle with all of this is there's that promise, which is linked to this promise. Because Jesus died, he rose from the dead. We can be saved, eternal life, sealed, done, not based on you. Which means this part too, here's the theological term, glorification. God's rescue, that's an O. Man. All right. Most of my life I've typed. Bear with me. Glor glorification. Jesus rescues. I will be saved. Later, the presence of sin will be gone. When Jesus returns, we get new bodies. Eternity, heaven, that's not spiritually floating on clouds. It is physical bodies on a new heaven and a new earth. But 
all of the curses removed. This is why we need to understand all of the Bible. In the beginning, God created, and after he created each thing, he said, this is good, this is good, this is good. Then he created man and woman and said, this is very good, right? He created all these, it was very good. And then y'all messed it up. We did. We messed it up because of sin. And the whole message of the Bible is God rescuing it to fix that. Do you think he would take the original creation, which was very good, and the end would be something totally different? No. He, the message of the Bible, he's, he's bringing it back. It's not going to be exactly the same. One example, there's not going to be marriage in heaven. I don't understand that, right? right? It's not going to be exactly the same. But our bodies, we will have bodies, which will be timeless, no pain. I mean, it sounds pretty awesome. But that's heaven. That's glorification. It's physical, but that's our hope. That's, a, that's secure. So whatever else is happening in here, you can always bank on that. And trust me, in my life, there's a lot of times I, I can endure because there, there's a finish line. I don't know when it is, but there's a finish line at some point, and God's going to bring it. So let's wrap this all up. How do we apply this truth? Again, the first chapter of Hebrews, right? Jesus has a great message, and he's better than anything else. Right, so you're tempted to go back to your other things in life. No, don't. Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. Jesus is more. Now, how do we apply this? Right, embrace the promise. Embrace the promise. Day in and day out, we embrace. I am saved, even when I don't feel like it. No, I, I believe my faith is in Jesus. He died for me. He rose from the. I want Him to be Lord. I'm not perfect yet. We embrace it. We embrace eternity. It's coming. Embrace the promise. Engage the probable engage so that's that's this abundant life part engage the probable meaning we have so many scriptures so many instructions on how to grow how to abide we engage that meaning we worship together we're going to see that later in hebrews he says stop forsaking the gathering right they were starting to drift away i don't really want to worship or get together or share my life with god's people stop it get together right so we worship together we go to god's word we're going to see that over and over Right? We, we prioritize Christ. We actually pray. We get together and we discuss it. Right? He's given us so many ways. So we engage. A lot of times when people are struggling with this, and I talk to them, and they blame God, I go back to these things. Are you doing these things? God is getting, well, no. Well, duh. <laughs> right? You can't get a tan without sitting in the sun. <laughs> I, I mean, weird illustration. Um, but when we sit in the sun, God, God does some things, right? We sit before God. We, we avail ourselves of all he's given us. Then he does the changing. And then we accept the possible. We accept the possible. We trust him. It might not be exactly what we want, but we can accept the possible. Matthew 7, 9 and 10 says this. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent. And that's Jesus speaking. He's saying, talk to God, ask God for good things. A good father, right, if you ask him for bread, is, is he going to give you a stone? Right? Any of you kids, your, your dad ever been, Dad, can I have some bread? Yeah, here's a rock. Dad, can I have a fish? Yeah, here's a scorpion. I've fed a lot of scorpions in the past couple weeks. So we, I mean, we have them around here. But, right, here's a scorpion. No, I mean, a, a good father is going to do that. Jesus here is saying, we have a good father meaning we want to ask him for good things and he wants to give us those good things, right? So, so we engage the possible and we, sorry, engage the probable and we trust him with the rest. We trust him because he is a good father. He loves us. He wants what's best and he has control so we can trust him. 
So as we wrap up, accept the promise, engage the probable, accept the possible. How do I know he's a good God? Because our creator God came to earth to rescue you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we, uh, we love you. Um, God, I thank you just for, for this truth we see in Hebrews and throughout the New Testament um, that, Jesus, you are our creator God. Jesus, you came to earth to rescue us. And God, I do thank you that in, in Scripture we see that rescue um, has different parts, right? There's the, the, I was rescued. I am being rescued and I, and I will be rescued. God, that right now we're in process. And because we're still in process and we still have the presence of sin in our lives, God, we're going to struggle with some of these things. Thank you for having patience with us. Um, God, I do ask in this room that if there's any of us who really need to kind of engage in that probable, we need to do some things to experience you, right? We need to avail ourselves um, of, of opportunities to abide in you. I pray that we would do that. We would do that. And then we would have the faith. We would accept what comes of that. We can trust you with it. God, we love you. We want to glorify you. In your name, amen. So as we continue to worship, I'm going to come here in the back. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, come, come talk to me. Maybe you see this and, and the first